Welcome to From Beer to the Bible with your host, Urban Lee. Each week, you'll hear stories from Urban's road to sobriety and steps you can take to help you or a loved one find healing through Jesus Christ. Now here's your host, Urban Lee. Good evening. As I always do, I want to anchor us in Scripture, and I want to start with a prayer. Father, we come to you, and we ask for your presence, your provision, and your protection. Lead me and guide me. Let me speak nothing of myself, but only what the Holy Spirit gives me to communicate to all those who are suffering from alcoholism, drug addiction, or any self-inflicted suffering. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to get right into it. Uh, our scripture tonight comes from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. I'm going to read the English Standard Version. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. But of power, love, and self-control. I've read this scripture a lot, and what the Lord revealed to me, actually, I've always focused on the last part that speaks of the power, the love, and the self-control. I missed the first part which says, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear. So the Holy Spirit revealed to me that fear is a spirit. And if you have ever sat down and thought about it, when you start to get anxious or you start to worry or despair or get in fear, it's all consuming. It consumes your mind. And then you can worry and suppose this and what if this, and oh my goodness, this could happen. When you get in that state, it just takes over not only your, your soul, but it starts to take over physically to where you feel sick. And then what happens is you're saying to yourself, what can I do to make myself feel better? So I just gave you a glimpse into what the spirit, this is a spirit of fear, is, is like. So if it doesn't come from God, where does that spirit of fear come from? Well, it has to come from our enemy. So we have to take fear captive. And one of the things that I have learned through overcoming alcoholism is control of my mind and control of my thoughts. If I think negative things, it spirals me down what I would call a rabbit hole to where I don't feel good about myself, about what's going on in my life. So I practice taking those thoughts captive and then repeating to myself what the word of God says about me. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And I think we have to have scriptures and positive affirmations and be okay with repeating them to ourselves, whether that's out loud or just internally to fight the spirit of fear. And anyone who's in addiction currently or is recovering or has recovered from addiction will tell you one of the primary drivers is fear. And we suppose and what if ourselves and we create scenarios almost to the point where we are sick. 
we're in this fear and we're in this trembling and our enemy knows that when he gets us in this place of we're just we're we're paralyzed fear paralyzes you you're not any good for yourself you're not any good for your family and what fear does is you don't do anything you just sit and you stew in that fear and then the enemy just keeps well, you know, you're not a good person. You're never going to overcome this. You're never going to get over alcoholism. He just starts to just drive home all of these negative thoughts. And I'm here to tell you that most of that stuff is not true, but we become what we allow ourselves to believe. And in those situations, and I, I had it recently, right? Because one of the things I I say to people that although I believe that I'm recovered from my addiction and my alcoholism is I still have battles. I still have trials. I still have tribulations. I still have to secure my mind. I have to secure and make sure I'm thinking positive thoughts and I'm not being controlled by fear. Because when the enemy comes in, his goal is to create a sense of urgency around things that are not currently happening to you. And when we get in fear, when we do decide to make a decision, we usually make that decision without consulting the Lord God. I'm going to say it again. When we get in fear, we speed ourselves up, we get anxious. And we don't cast our cares on the Lord. We try to lean on our own understanding. And then we make bad decisions because we're making them when we are anxious. So when fear would come into my life, I'd have trials and tribulations. I'd freak out. I'd feel bad. And then what would I want to do to feel better? To get relief, which only comes from Jesus, I would seek it at the bottom of the bottle. And it never worked. It just spiraled me into a vicious cycle. Uh, it's insanity. I kept doing the same thing, expecting a different result. So when fear comes upon you, realize fear is not from God. He did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power. And that power is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So we are to surrender to the power that lives in us, that is greater than us, that enables us to live the life of a disciple of Jesus Christ, then we're to walk in love. God loves us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Neither death, nor angels, nor your circumstances. I need you to get this. God loves you despite what you've done. God loves you despite your circumstances. God knows we fall down. But what God expects is for us to get back up. Remember, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are a new creation. The devil loves to get us in our past and he loves to keep us living in the future. So let's break that down. So he wants you thinking about all the things that you've done wrong in your past. So that you feel sin, you feel guilty, you feel shame, and you can't move forward. And then 
what he does, if he can't get you living in your past, he starts to mess with you and try to get you living in your future. And in your future, he what ifs you and he supposes you. He says, well, suppose you lose your job. Suppose your wife gets sick. Suppose you can never overcome alcohol. Suppose you can never overcome drugs. So that means that Wow. What if you keep drinking and you die? What if you get into an accident while you're drinking? He what ifs you all of that stuff's in the future. And one of the things that I have had to rediscipline myself with and about is living one day at a time, because even though I'm recovered and I know better, when the things of life, the burdens of life, the trials and tribulations of life come, sometimes instead of being where my feet are, which is in the present moment or the present day, I drift into my future and I start to worry and be anxious. And we're not to be anxious. The Bible even says that about tomorrow. We're to focus on today and our present. And my dad and I, we talk a lot. And sometimes I tell him, he says, well, son, how's your day going? And I say to him, well, dad, today is just one of those days that I'm just taking it moment by moment. Because sometimes as you go through this life that the Lord has promised us, and he has said in his word that you will have trials, you will have tribulations. We live in a fallen world. And I don't always understand nor know why the things that have happened to me in my life. But I know who, and I know who to trust, and I know that he's good, and I know he has a good plan for my life, and I know that he'll work all things together for good because it says that in his word, and his word is truth. So I want I wanted to really dive deep into 2 Timothy 1.7, And then let's talk about the last thing. He says, but of power, love, and self-control. And as I look back over my life, especially the period of time when I was addicted to alcohol, I had no no self-control. And I'm going to break this down, meaning that I had alcohol stripped away any disciplines, any good habits, any form of self-control that I had. Well, you say, well, what do you mean by that? I always, even as I realized that alcohol was detrimental to me, and we've been talking about this, the signs of of alcoholism, and I kind of want to wrap that up with giving you guys, you know, three or four that really, truly affected me. And one of those was I realized that no matter what I did from a planning standpoint, from a internal coaching myself to drink less, I could never pull that off. I could never pull that off. And that is one of the first signs of alcoholism you drink more than you want, than you plan, and that you intended to. And secondly, you say, I want to cut down and I want to stop drinking 
And you've done this on more than one occasion. So for years, I would say to myself, I was always trying to talk to myself, man, you got to stop drinking. Man, you, you need to stop drinking. Man, cut it down. Drink beer. Don't drink hard alcohol. I tried all that. I could never make any of that work. Um, and then the big one for me, and when I knew that I was in trouble, was I spent a lot of time drinking. And the flip side of that was I began to spend a lot of time being sick and getting hangovers. And the older I got and the more I drank, the worse those hangovers got, the worse I felt after the hard nights of drinking, which led me to, and anyone who suffered from alcoholism understands what I'm about to say. That's how you end up drinking in the morning. Because you feel so bad when you get up, you're trying to get over the hangover and you know your body physically starts to crave alcohol. That's another symptom that when you get up, you've got this hangover and you're trying to manage it because you need to be able to function. But you know you can't because your body is shaking, your body is craving it, you're dehydrated. And you're like, the only way I'm going to feel better and be able to get out of bed is I got to have another drink. So you end up rationalizing to yourself, look, I'm only going to have a few beers because I got to get to work. I got to get going. And all of a sudden at 1030 in the morning, you're you're knocking down six beers. That's what I that's what I used to do because I had to get my day started. Um, And then another sign that I have talked about and I want to reiterate is. You start to suffer negative consequences at your home, with your family, at your job, because you're going to start to miss work because you're hungover and you're incapable of functioning in the world when you're hungover. So that is one of the key signs when you're drinking so much that it has now affected your your marriage, your business, and your finances, and your job, and your relationship with your children, then you have checked the box on a mighty big sign that you may be an alcoholic. And one of the ones that, another sign that I kept doing was, even though my family and my friends were saying to me, we think you may have a problem, and perhaps you may want to not drink as much. I would say to them, okay, yeah, I think you're right. And as soon as I could, I would keep drinking. I would keep drinking. And I'll never forget my mother. God bless my mother. She said, son, you are drinking way too much. Stop, please, you know, get some help. And I remember feeling bad. I think I even cried. But man, when you're in the throes of that alcoholism, I remember as soon as we got off the phone, I thought about it for a while. And then I said, I understand that this is hurting my mom, but I I got a drink. And I remember drinking some beers and then heading off to the bar to go drink some margaritas. Now, that's despite loving my mom the way I do. Loving my wife, my wife's saying the same thing. Some of my friends are coming. All these people who love me coming over top. 
You're destroying yourself. You have a problem. And I hear them, but I don't hear them because I need to keep drinking because I felt like when I drank, I felt whole. I escaped. It was like people who go on a vacation to their dream destination. That is what alcoholism is about. If you always wanted to go to Hawaii and you get to go to Hawaii in that rush and the dopamine that comes from, wow, I'm finally in Hawaii. That was what drinking was like for me. So I kept drinking, even though everyone around me was saying I should stop. So that's a sign that you're an alcoholic. If everyone around you is saying to you, you may have a problem. Another sign is when you give up the things that you love. I had nothing but bad habits in my alcoholism. Everything I loved before I became an alcoholic, I despised and I did not do them. The only hobby I had was drinking and getting drunk, waking up the next morning, drinking and getting drunk, trying to find friends who would go drinking with me, carousing with me, partying with me so I could forget the fact that I was an alcoholic, forget the fact that I was an alcoholic. And I'm going to wrap up on the the signs of alcoholism with one of the ones that I really thought it would be the precursor to me giving up alcohol but it wasn't. So I go in to get my physical to see my doctor. And my doctor is like, wow, what, what, what happened to you? What is, what's wrong with you? All of my labs, liver, kidney, heart, blood pressure, cholesterol. If you can imagine a doctor appointment where all of your major organs and everything that they don't want you to have. He comes back in the room and he tells you that, well, that was the result of my physical. So I'm sitting there and I'm saying to myself, what have I done? What have I done to myself? This man is reading off a litany of lists. My kidneys. He said, you need to stop drinking and you need to stop drinking immediately. Or you are going to die. So if a man, your doctor who you love, I've known my doctor for years. He's saying this to me. You need to stop drinking. Your liver is bad. Your kidney's bad. You're a mess. You are literally a physical mess. I'm like 40 pounds overweight. I'm bloated. And he's giving me all this. And I'm sitting there and I'm saying to myself, I'm just really quiet. And what I was trying to figure out is, How did I get here? How did I get here? And I'm looking back saying, man, I, I, I I lost it. I I lost it. I truly had lost the power, the love, the self-control. And I allowed my addiction to spiral me into a point where spiritually, mentally, physically, I was a mess. 
And I was sitting there saying, how could I get out? And I remember, this is what the enemy said. There is no way out. Keep drinking. There is no way out. Keep drinking. Think about this now. At this point, I hadn't been reading. I had stopped praying. He comes to me and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking. To change all of these habits I have in my own strength, which I had none. I'd run out myself. Well, totally run out. I'm at the mercy. I'm sitting there saying, you got a decision to make life or death. And I've got this voice and this enemy crowding me out with thoughts. What if, what if, what if, suppose, suppose, suppose you're going to die. You can't, you can't stop drinking. So he said to me, keep drinking. So I, I succumb. And I thought that was my only way out. And what I was doing is what we do too many times when we're in fear. I was trying to make a permanent decision based on a temporary problem that the Lord God is bigger than that the Lord God when I cast my cares on him and took a step of faith that now I sit here almost five years later recovered from the thing that I was willing to succumb we'll be back with more of From Beer to the Bible right here on The Word 100.7 FM Finding addiction help is intensely personal, and the differences in options may not be immediately clear. Hampton Ministries was founded with the intent to provide people struggling with substance and behavioral issues with guidance to find the best environment for their well-being and recovery. Our main focus is to help those who use drugs and alcohol to break free and learn to cope with life circumstances. Hampton Ministries provides a rehab welcome kit to provide crucial resources to make their journey a success. Utilizing Lonnie Hampton's principles of character, work ethic, and selflessness, participants learn to hold themselves accountable. We want to help each individual obtain the life skills necessary to live a happy, successful, sober life. If you or a loved one is wrestling with substance abuse and needs help finding treatment or to donate, please visit HamptonMinistries.org. That's HamptonMinistries.org. Welcome back to From Beer to the Bible. Here's your host, Irvin Lee. And please don't forget, you can find more information about alcoholism and addiction at HamptonMinistries.org. You can support the book and find information about it at FromBeerToTheBible.com. So I want to talk about the step of faith to get myself out of the pit of sin, shame, and addiction. And I want to encourage those who are listening right now who are suffering from the throes of alcohol and drug addiction. The first thing you have to do is hope and know in that hope that you don't have to do it yourself with your will. When you surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell in you. He comes to lead you, guide you, comfort you, advocate for you, enable you to recover, empower you to take 
that first step of faith. So you don't have to do it by yourself and of yourself. That's the most important thing in my first step of recovery that I came to the realization that in my own power, I could not recover and live the life God had for me outside of the power of the Holy Spirit. So come to the Lord Jesus Christ and he will equip, enable and empower you through the Holy Spirit to be recovered from drug and alcohol addiction. And I want to leave you today with the love. I love you. The faith is in Christ Jesus and the hope is found in the Lord our God. May God always richly bless you. Thank you for listening to From Beer to the Bible with host Irvin Lee. To learn more, visit FromBeerToTheBible.com. There you can catch past episode podcasts and find other resources. That's FromBeerToTheBible.com.